With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL podcast. Albert Breer is there. I am here. I'm standing up today, Albert. I feel like uh, Pat Ma- Pat McAfee. I got my, my tank top on and, uh, you know. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So I'm, I got a lot of energy. Uh, thanks to everybody for sticking with us. Sorry for the late post today. But if uh, as all of you know, it is, a, it is a holiday today. And I found out you can't just drop your kids off at school, Albert, when it's closed. They don't, they, they don't take they them. They won't take them, yeah. No, yeah. no, you have to take them back. So uh, Kids get here. lots of days off. The, I mean, I, kids get a lot of days off uh, these times. I mean, I think we got the Jewish holidays off when I was a kid. But there are definitely a lot more random days off, a lot more... I think what do they call them professional development days, right? Yeah, yeah. And then half days. There's a lot of those. Like, uh, I think there's like a, some schools have like a fall break now. Is it colleges have a fall break? Right? Isn't that right? I think so. Because we never had. I don't know if you ever had that, but I never had that. So I never had that, and I'm learning now about brain breaks, which are breaks within the day to just. Is that like to- when a coach like lets the lets uh, his players look at their phones? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much exactly it. I mean, there must be some sort of a science behind it. Right. And I do remember like probably around one 30 when you're doing like transitive verbs in English in sixth grade, just feeling like you ran into a brick wall. So maybe there's a science behind it. There could be, there could be the only science that we had when I was a kid was uh, because I told you so. So. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, thanks for making us part of your brain break. Albert, I would say if we were to encapsulate this weekend into into sort of a a WWE style subheadline, it would be blowout weekend. Or if I was a mattress salesperson, I'd call it blowout weekend. the t- I like we'll it with start- one of those inflatable guys with the with yes. the arms. <laughs> Woo! Um, we're going to start with the game that I think that everybody's been talking about, and uh, I, I I've been I've talked to agents, I've talked to other people about this. There is a there is a Madden generation, and I don't want to over encapsulate everybody, but there are people who grew up not just playing video games for the love of football, but playing video games to want to score seventy points. And here you have Mike McDaniel absolutely taking the lumber to Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos, putting up 70 points and being in position to break the all-time NFL scoring record. He did not opt to kick the field goal, which um, he had his reasoning afterwards. I This was as dominant and of an offensive performance and as hopeless of a yeah. defensive performance as I have ever seen. What a mismatch. 
I mean, and you know, I, I, it's amazing. Cause like the deeper you go into the, and I did this last night, the deeper you go into the numbers and the facts, the crazier it gets, right? Like it's like 70 points. And normally, like, I feel like if we see that in the college game, right? Like sometimes you see those 70, 77 points in a college game, right? And a lot of times there's like a punt return in there. There's like a fumble recovery for a touchdown. It's like, nope, every one of those touchdowns was scored by the offense. And then you look at the yardage and it's like, okay, so that's the most since the Truman administration. And then you look at like, okay, like the balance. They had went over 350 on both rushing and passing, which is the first time that's ever happened. And I actually like thought this was the craziest of all. They only had one third down with more than five yards to go the entire day. Good God. Think about that. All right. They only had one third. There was only one play of third and five or longer the entire day. And they scored 10 touchdowns. And in fact, their first third down of the day, which I think like kind of like speaks to the efficiency of the offense right now under McDaniel, their first third down of the day was on their third drive. My goodness. So like you think about that, like think about the efficiency that takes. Like you either can't lose yardage on the first play or you need to make a big play on the second play. No exceptions, right? You either need to churn out five yards of play on the on two plays every single time or you have to, if you take a step back or you don't get yards, you need a big play to make up for it every single time. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I thought this was the best line I got. You know, I asked around about them and what makes them so hard to, to defend. And I thought this was um, the best line. This is from an executive I really I really, um, really respect. And he, he said, it's hard to be dynamic and explosive while being efficient and consistently productive. And I thought that was a perfect way to put it, you know, because they are dynamic and explosive with Tyree Kill. And they didn't even have Jalen Waddell yesterday, but, and Jalen Waddell. But then you look at like what they're getting out of the Barrioses of the world and the Craycrafts of the world and the Durham Smice and, you know, Devin A. Chain now. Like, it's just, I mean, you know, I think we're seeing a lot of what we saw in San Francisco with Mike McDaniel there, but it's almost like he has the shackles off of him too. You know, like all the crazy stuff he was kick, cooking up in, in, in San Francisco that Kyle trusted him with like almost all of it, but maybe there were those couple crazy ideas that Kyle said, yeah, we're not doing that one. Now he can do whatever he wants. And you're a seeing- A dang no-look shovel pass. Yeah, like, no-look shovel pass. That, that didn't even make it in the column. I asked Raheem Mostert about it last night. He had a cool story on it. it. Didn't even make it into the column. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to shoehorn that in somewhere. But um, yeah, I mean, like it's just you know what it is, Connor. It's just it's such a blast watching that offense. Like how fast everything moves, how quickly the ball's out of Tua's hands, just how efficient everything looks. Like there's a bunch of things in that offense that I think. 10 years ago, we would have classified as trick plays and they run them so efficiently. They don't look like trick plays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there is, the lines are so blurred in that offense, which is what's beautiful about it. And you can dismiss all of the motion and all of the different kinds of motioning and the purpose behind the motioning. This, by the way, let's back up was without Jalen Waddle. <laughs> Um, so let's just like the Dolphins, like second best offensive player, maybe third best <laughs> offensive player was not in the game. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that anybody who is still dismissing what Mike McDaniel is doing needs to realize that 
everything, and this is sort of a, a, a Shanahan thing, or maybe it was a McDaniel thing that traveled to Shanahan and has been a constant throughout McDaniel's coaching career, but there's a story with every motion, with every formation, with everything you're putting together. It is part of an almost a choose-your-own-adventure book that a defense is reading when they're watching the film every week, and then they react one way, and then the game plan mm-hmm. completely blasts you in a place where you're vulnerable. And it's just, it's so fascinating to watch. And I, the only thing that can slow them down is health. The only yeah. thing at this point yeah. that can stop them is Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Tua Tungavailoa not being able to make it through the season. I mean, I just think it's like the, again, like the reason I like that line so much is like the, like we've seen so many offenses that have had, or at least tried to build like the sort of quick strike ability that the Dolphins have, right? But a lot of times those offenses, it's like those offenses a lot of times will be like a big cleanup hitter, like Adam Dunn back in the day. Oh, yeah. Where it's like they'll hit 50 home runs, but they'll also strike out 70 times, you know? And like I feel like with the Dolphins, what they're doing is it's like they hit the 50 home runs, but that they're, they're, they're still hitting like 375. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, and that's what I think is so amazing about it is that there's just answers everywhere. And, um, you know, like that's always been the basis of the Shanahan offense and like what Mike Shanahan built in Denver and, you know, now obviously Kyle in San Francisco and Sean in LA. Um, you know, I just think Mike has such a clear idea of what he wants in players and what he's looking for in every position and the execution of it has just been, I mean, it, it is, like I said, so much fun to watch because it just, it looks so well run and it looks so well conceived and the players look so well coached. And when you have all of that, plus you have like a, a few wildly talented guys, you know, and a quarterback capable of running it, then you get what we got on Sunday. So I'm going to read you an interesting quote, Albert, that I dug out of the July 27th, 2023 edition of USA Today. <laughs> well, um, we're going on this. <laughs> quote. It doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed, Sean Payton said of the previous Broncos regime, and that happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much expletive time trying to win the offseason, the PR, the pomp and circumstance, marching people around, and all this stuff. Now, to Sean Payton's credit, I don't know if it was purposeful or not, but the first word that he used at his press conference was embarrassing. And Mm -hmm. there was some testiness with a reporter. Um, Sean just didn't want him to repeat all of the incredible statistical uh, anomalies that happened in that game. But I think that it is a long way from way up on that high horse to getting absolutely face-planted at the hands of Mike McDaniel. And I don't know, I think you and I are going to have slightly different takes on this, but maybe not. Yeah. Everyone's going after Vance Joseph. My take is you build yourself as a head coach who is coming with Vic Fangio and a super staff. That was a quote, a super staff. And I'm sorry if you don't, it, you know, you don't get to pick and choose whose fault it was when your defense gets 70 points hung on you. That's <laughs> embarrassing. And you've got to wear that. You have yeah. to wear that. And yeah. man, I mean, th- this is. And I don't think Sean, like, I don't think Sean, did he shy away from wearing it? No, right? I don't he think so. It. He yeah. wore it. I mean, I I don't know. It's like you start to wonder if there's something fundamentally broken there now. And I, I just, because 
that group of that group of players has now had it two very different ways, right? Like, so they had it last year where it was sort of the freewheeling young coach that's gonna like build a player-driven environment, right? And give the players responsibility and allow them to set the culture and all that different stuff. And then they do a 180 and Sean Payton comes in and it's like this Parcelsian thing, right? So like last year, I think we all saw they kind of checked out on doing it the way that Nate Hackett did it. And now, like, are they checking out on the way that Sean Payton's doing it? Because it does not look like a team that's locked in. And you just, you, you start to wonder, it's like, is there something fundamental that is wrong in that locker room? And I don't know what it would be, but it does feel like just sniffing around a little bit. Like, I mean, there might not, there might be something that's just not right in there. And, and maybe it has to do with the power they gave to Russell last year. I don't know, but like, that does not look like a group of players that's locked in. And it's not the first time that that group of players has not been locked in, you know? And I'm not blaming the, I'm not blaming any individual player, but sometimes the mix just isn't right. And I don't know, Connor, like at 0-3, this already feels like something's hurtling towards is Sean Payton going to detonate that place after this year? I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, to me, that's the only move at this yeah. point. And the Broncos are sort of in a Deshaun Watson kind of situation with Payton in that they owe him an awful lot of guaranteed money. Yeah. They can't just walk away from this. I would imagine it's probably tougher as an entire package to back out, let Peyton go back on TV and have him just blast you every Sunday than to let him stick around and make it work. And I'm not saying that they should get rid of Sean Peyton. I think that's crazy. He's one of the best coaches in recent NFL history. But the only move at this point is to detonate. Now, what's your level of patience if you're a Broncos team that, you know, you were sort of assured during this process that hiring Sean Peyton was the negation of a rebuild? And now right. what you're doing is you're almost setting the table for it. And um, I, I think- Well, I guess like you'd almost be saying if your ownership, Connor, you'd be, would you be saying to the fan base, this is proof that we do need a rebuild, that it doesn't matter who we brought in here, that like because the thing, things are, are that messed up here, what we inherited was that messed up here, that now we need, to, we need a full reset. And, um, you know, I think that sets up for a very interesting month. You know, the next month in Denver- with where this all goes, do they become serious sellers at the trade deadline? And I know they dumped, they dumped Bradley Chubb last year, right? Garrett Bowles, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante. Well, like, do they start to look at like these pieces that, I mean, I don't think I would deal off a of Pat Sertan. Like that would probably be an untouchable for me. Yep. But like, other than that, like, do you look at everybody else on your roster now as a piece? And I think like the way the next month goes might determine that. Like maybe they get back off the mat and I haven't looked at their schedule. I'd have to look at it to see who they have and how tough it is for the next month. But I, I certainly think it's something you have to consider if you're them, where if we're going to detonate this after the year, maybe we ought to see if we can just get value for some of these players now. Yeah. Um, and, and you know he, what that means. Right. I think Sean Payton's made some comments about a certain quarterback that might be, um, that might work out where he used to work for a year. Oh my God. (laughs) 
It's so fun. I mean, this it would be. I can't imagine ever getting to that where they'd be that bad, but they do play in a tough division. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, I don't know. Like, if you say, like, the Chiefs and Chargers are four losses for them, right? And then who knows with the Raiders, which way they go? I don't know. Uh, We've already lost a game to the Raiders. Right. Um, Yeah. I think. I, I, and we're going to get to this a little bit later in the show. There are a lot of teams that are neck and neck competition in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Sean has yes said out loud um, that t- Caleb is a player worth tanking for, and that he does think that there'd be a tanking issue. Does that create a ripple effect within the NFL, where all of a sudden you're trading off all your best players um, and almost admitting to something you publicly said? But Sean has also publicly, because um, I was going to write about this and decided not to. He has also come out and said how hard it is to tank and it's almost impossible. Yeah. And that so he has he has kind of played both sides of this. That said this, this is gonna be a topic of conversation though, going forward, like the next month. Like I had a couple of front office people tell me in like May or June that they think that the trade deadline could be historic this year because you're gonna have more teams that are you know, driven by ownership that maybe you've gone the wrong way and maybe the owner's listening to analytics people and analytics people are, hey, like, here's the value of getting Caleb Williams. Here's the value of getting Drake May. You have to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so um, I think it's I think it's an interesting dynamic that we're going to watch unfold over the course of the next, what, four, five, six weeks. Um, I think the trade deadline's actually on Halloween. Happy Halloween to us um, this year. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how active teams get, you know, when you get to that point of the year and you're one or six, one and six or whatever. Yeah. <coughs> let's, uh, let's segue nicely into the other, um, the other big blowout from this weekend, which mm-hmm. was Kansas city 41, uh, bears 10. I, I Albert, T- Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift aren't really dating, so I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna go there. Um, this See, is. I, I think we're all getting trolled. We're That's all my... getting. How obvious is it? It, yeah. it? it bothers me that we're getting sucked in at an age where th- you know what this is. This is a. This is a government test of our ability to believe anything, right? This yeah. is a litmus test, right? They're they're they're. Oh, seeing... you think the government's running it? I, that that's a that's a real tinfoil tinfoil. I got like, I got one theory. on. They're going to see how stupid we really are, and the amount of people that actually believe that this thing that we've willed to happen through our own insane ideas uh, is actually happening. It's absolutely asinine to me. So I would say let's put that out of. I mean, these poor guys are getting asked about it after the game. I, I think this is just absurd. No offense to Taylor Swift, who I, I think is is great. I think she should do a Super Bowl instead of Usher. But they flatten the Bears. And see, Emily thinks that Taylor Swift's above doing a Super Bowl, and I sort of agree with it. She thinks that Taylor Swift. Okay. That like that she does not need the NFL. Your wife I thinks think that that's that actually Taylor Swift really doesn't need the NFL. I, I agree with that. Doesn't, you know, I, I actually agree with it. I think like. If she had like a, some sort of like childhood attachment to pro football, like she loved the NFL growing up, like then there'd be a reason to do it, right? Or if you just wanted to be on that list of performers who've done it, but there's not like a tangible benefit for her the same way there is for 90 whatever percent of other musicians, which I, I agree with that. Well, uh, my my wife was very excited about Usher and I, I was like, I can't imagine, no offense to Usher, but I, I guess that. Our our sixth grade dance selves are the target demographic for this 
for this game. Like I don't I'm a little know. older than you. That'd probably be high school for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, what, what was that kind of like junior prom for you? Just like, yeah, I think it was right in there. I think that's probably right. Like Emily's a big Usher fan too. So she was excited for that one. But yeah, I think that would be Usher was big when I was in high school, probably a little college too. I'd have to look it up, but yeah, I mean, right there, I would say high school. I mean, they were just, they, they just had a, now that's what I call music CD and they were just kind of flicking down the options. Oh, it was definitely on, it, it was definitely on like, now that's what I call music, like 24 or whatever. Not even 24. It was probably like six. Like now that's what I call music six. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, I wrote that I feel like the bears are, uh, probably approaching a crisis and I'm curious yeah. your take on this because here's the kind of rock in a hard place that Matt Eberflus is in. Because I think if you're a coach, and I've talked to coaches who have been in this situation before, they know when their tenure is at a breaking point. I think Eberflus knows that his tenure is at a breaking point, but think about how difficult this situation is, okay? The quarterback is saying in so many words that the the offensive coaching staff is making him robotic, which he did walk back, but he said what he said. Um, and then you have everything going on where you just lost your defensive coordinator for the season. And so if you're Matt Eberflus, you can't make another court. You can't get rid of the offensive coordinator just to right. make a statement because now you're down both of your coordinators and that administratively that's going to create an insane amount of work. You can't bench Justin Fields because if you do that, then that puts the front office under the crosshairs and the front office endorsed Justin Fields to the point where they said he was right. better than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? Like it, it, yeah. it, you're, you're so limited power wise with your ability to shake things up and get yourself out of this rut. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is like I was there early in training camp and they were so excited about how they brought in all these players that they thought fit. And, you know, whether it's Tremaine Edmonds at linebacker, TJ Edwards, um, you know, obviously Nate Davis, they add him to the offensive line. They draft Darnell Wright. They bring in DJ Moore. And they really felt like the guys that they brought in were like better fits for what they were trying to build. And then a bunch of guys got hurt. And like they, I know talking to, uh, to some people there after week one, there was this, well, like our guys are still learning how to play together thing going on there right like and a lot of our guys just haven't had the reps because we had so many injuries during training camp and guys were coming in and out of the lineup and so we just need more work together and I'm willing to accept that you know like I'm willing to say okay like you know maybe this will be a different team in October November based on how like the team stayed locked in and fought for Eberflus and that staff last year even as they were losing 10 in a row to finish the season that said, I mean, the events of the last week, I, I think it's like one of those things where your locker room is looking at how you handle it. And I think losing the game in the immediate aftermath, especially when it's the Super Bowl champions, like that's, a, you know, you can, you can chalk that one up, right? I think what happens in the next game can be really, really important though. And that's where it's like, you, you gotta make sure you have the team together because they've been through a lot now. And you don't want to start losing guys, you know, and you don't want to start losing. And, and so I think after the week that those guys went through, because remember, like if you're a player, like you're 90% of those guys are independent contractors who the team has no obligation to pass this year. And you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, so you hired a defensive coordinator who 
was part of like a forced resignation and a really, really hyper weird situation that played up out over the course of a week and cost me a week of my season. You know, your offensive coordinator is really highly thought of, but can't get the quarterback going. And now, you know, as a head coach, you let us into Kansas City and we got our doors blown off. Understandable based on circumstances. How do you come out of that? Like, what does it look on the like on the other end? I think this is a really important week as far as buy-in for the rest of the year. And I know it's early for that and everything else, and it's only going to be week four. But I, it does feel like this, everything that happened over the last week could have a lasting effect if they don't come out and at least play well this week. And I got to look up, and this is very responsible of me. I got to go on the internet and look up who they're playing this week. <laughs> so while you're doing that, um, I was going to say, oh, that, oh, 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 it's oh, the Broncos, oh. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there we go. We got a, we got a, we got a critical, that's actually a critical matchup for uh, lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, that is <laughs> a, I mean, it's far more critical. Like the bear, the bears have to win this game. Sean Payton doesn't need to win this game. Sean Payton. But think about this though. So the bears have that and they have a turnaround where they play on Thursday night, four days later. So, and that's against the commanders. So these are two winnable games for the bears. I'd say, right? Yeah. So this is either where you save your season or things could spin out of control a little bit. So like, I think that, you know, again, like it's, you hesitate to say somebody's seasons on the line this early, the first week of October, but it does feel like that's probably going to wind up being a pretty critical five day stretch. Here's my question about Justin Fields. And I don't yeah. understand. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that they had, I believe no designed run action through yeah. the first like quarter and a half of that game. And so is this Luke Getze's way of saying, okay, hot shot, you got this, then let's see what you want to do. Or like, like is Justin Fields' complaint that they're trying to pigeonhole him as too much of a pocket passer and not letting him run? Or is the yeah. complaint that he's they're making him run too much and not allowing him to be a pocket passer? Well, I actually saw like some of this when he was at Ohio State and it like it didn't really cost him, but like when you sort of take it and then you compare it to what's happened in the NFL, it actually makes a lot of sense that it, like he's having this issue. There was a time between when J.K. Dobbins was there when Fields was a sophomore. He was dynamite the whole year and looked unstoppable and looked like, like holy crap, is this guy going to wind up being a better prospect than T Trevor Lawrence? And then at the end of his junior year, you had Trey Sermon running wild. But in between there, there was a period where they had a real problem running the ball. And they were trying to be careful because they didn't have good depth at quarterback. They were being careful about running fields too much. And in that circumstance where his team wasn't running the ball well, and he wasn't really running the ball by design much at all either. You saw like a guy who was standing there and holding the ball and doubting what he was look at, looking at. And that's where his reputation for not seeing it fast enough came from. And I feel like all of that stuff's happening again. And, you know, when your team's falling behind and your offensive line's not very good, then you get into situations where you naturally can't run the ball effectively anymore. You know, like we're, or the team, the, 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 the other team's not going to play you that way anymore. And so, like, I think it's sort of one of these things where I, the, the, the way to get Justin Fields going, I think, isn't necessarily to run him 15 times a game like they did last year. It's get the run game going. 
and then start to build the passing game more off the run game than you've had it. And that can be a tough ask if you're not a very good team. Because again, if you're playing from behind a lot and you don't have a great offensive line, then it's really, really hard to establish yourself in that area. My last thought on this is just, and you had a good Ohio State weekend, so you know you can. <laughs> That's where my voice went. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I, I just think if you're, again, I don't want to harp too much on the comments because things get taken out of context. And I think he was yeah. giving a legitimately honest answer. But if your fields, like, how much of this is kind of on you too? Like, I, at some point, like the team has, yeah. the team has given you a certain degree of power by not keeping that number one pick. They've tried to get more receivers. They've tried to make things work from a weapon set in crisis. Like Matt Eberflus has got to now put together a defensive game plan. Like if you're the franchise quarterback, like you also have to read the room a little bit and can't yeah. be stirring the pot uh, in, in weeks like this, you know? So I think there's a great experiment and that like he doesn't see the field fast enough. That's the problem. And you know, you get him in these obvious passing situations and he really struggles. And one of the right ways that Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni and those guys were able to build an offense for Jalen Hurts, who had some of these issues early in his career, was like, let's make him comfortable in the running game. So they imported the Oklahoma running game. And they were so efficient running the ball that they stayed out of obvious passing situations, which helped them manage him in the passing game a little bit better. And so I think that, again, like that's sort of the answer the problem is with the way their team is presently constituted, it's going to be really hard to do that. You know, you don't have the offensive line that the Eagles have. You don't have Devonte Smith. You're in a different stage of building. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that it's really, really hard to fix that. Like a, how fast a quarterback sees it. And it has nothing to do with like, he's a really smart guy. Justin is. It has nothing to do with that. It's just, it's an innate thing. How fast do you go through your reads? How fast do you get through your progressions? How quickly can you get, you know, to number three, to number four? You know, some coaches think you can teach that. Other coaches can't. I think Justin Fields is a fascinating case study and will be a fascinating case study for the rest of this year on whether or not you can coach that into somebody. Because I, I will say this for him, like, hard work's not going to be the issue. He's going to put in all the hours you need him to put in. If he can't get there, it might be proof that it's a really, really hard thing to teach. Yeah. Um, yeah, so lot, lot to watch for in, in, in Chicago. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details.
Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'm gonna. I'm kind of going in reverse order now of games I yep. actually cared about this past weekend. Los Angeles. There aren't a ton, right? <laughs> th- what's that? There aren't. There weren't a ton. This there weekend. weren't a ton. I think we're gonna have a big bonus round or a big uh, two minute drill here today. But um, Los Angeles and Minnesota was only interesting to me by virtue of the fact that. I think if the Chargers had lost that game, yeah. you have a dynamic where you have Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. Here's a guy who interviewed really well. Um, yep. Here's a guy you'd maybe want to get a look at as an interim head coach. There's certainly that pressure on Brandon yep. Staley. And so, I mean, listen, not all is fixed there. Not even close. And Mike Williams is now out with a torn ACL for the season. You And, and Derwin I both, James got hurt. Derwin James got hurt. You and I both dug into this offense in the offseason. So much of it surrounded around the the your kind of Mount Kilimanjaro guys staying healthy. So Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, um, yep. you know, uh, Par Donald Josh Parham, Palmer, yeah, Josh Palmer, Donald Parham, who's had two touchdown catches this year. I mean, <laughs> the, but now Austin Eckler's down, and you know, I mean, outside of you know going in and digging in and you know asking your training staff why this is happening on a week in and week out basis, you know, I think there's only one other place to point the blame there. And I, I, I'm not advocating for getting rid of Brandon Staley, but I'm just saying that I think had they lost that game, we would have probably yeah. had some conversations this week about well, probably when and, is Kellen Moore taking over. And I think the hard thing would have been for Brandon and I'll give him credit for making a decision like regardless of what anybody's going to say on him, about him on a Monday, going for it on that fourth down towards the end of the game where you essentially like Gave the Vikings another crack at it from yeah. close in. Like, I think that that way, it would have been a tough look to lose that way. You know, based on everything over the last couple of years, it would have been a really, really tough look for, for him to. And, and again, I give him credit for not worrying about what all of us are going to say on a Monday or a Tuesday about it. Um, but, you know, I do think, like, you got to give him credit. Like, they, that team very well could have blown the lead that they blew, right? Which I believe it was 21 to 10, right? And the Vikings come back and go up 24-21. A lot of teams in that situation that had blown leads in the first two weeks of the season might have had that like chicken little, like, oh my God, here we go again thing going on. And so I do think that it's a it's a nice box checked for them and the mental toughness of the team that they responded with two stops in the red zone and with the 75-yard drive that Justin Herbert engineered going down the field. You know, he and Keenan Allen were at their best when they needed them to be at their best. So I think you at least give them some credit that, like, what could have been a e- very easy trap to fall into, they didn't fall into it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I think that they avoided a really tough situation because failing to pick up that fourth down, I think, would have been a really, really tough look to go 0-3, um, you know, to, to get to 0-3 that way. I could see that team ripping off like seven games in a row, which is why I'm not necessarily worried about it. Um, Yeah, there are a lot of good players there. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, I just, you know, you and I have talked about this. It's hard to overanalyze because this is what everybody said was going to happen. They won a ton of one-score games last year. That pendulum is going to swing back. They're not a very good team. Um, 
they have several very, very good players. But as we know, that doesn't really constitute an A-plus yeah. roster. And they're feeling it this year, which is fine. I, I, You know, you liken them to the Giants, which I thought was a great comp. And I just think that yeah. it's, it's going to take some time. And it's going to take some time post-Kirk Cousins for them to figure it out. Yeah, I think that, like, they did the responsible thing this offseason. I think we talked about the Giants doing that, right? Like, the responsible thing was... Like, let's look at some of our bigger contracts. And, um, you know, what one person said to me there was, we were paying too many really good players who were great guys like they were great players. And that sort of became a problem. It clogged their salary cap. And so at one point or another, that was going to need to be cleaned up as those guys started to age. So they offload Eric Kendricks. They offload Pat Peterson. They offload Adam Thielen. They offload Dalvin Cook. Harrison Smith comes back on 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 a... reduced contract, right? Like they did a lot of business that needed to be done this off season. And I think they were hoping like, okay, like we've built something good enough here that we'll be able to ride this out. And ultimately I think like, I don't think this is a four win team. Like ultimately I think this is probably like a team is somewhere around 500, maybe a little under 500. Um, But I do think that they did the responsible thing, which was to reset their roster and not, like get all gaga over what happened last year. They're very realistic about it, which, you know, I think you give the Giants credit for doing the same thing. Like they didn't go overboard, maybe with anything but the Daniel Jones contract. And that I think is defensible too. Um, you know, I, I like I, I I just see it as like sort of like Buffalo-ish, like what Buffalo did in 18, 19, and 20, where they made the playoffs in Sean McDermott's first year. They reset in 18. And then and I think I said 18, 19, 20. It was actually 17, 18, 19. Um, they reset in 18. I think they went six and 10 that year and then made the playoffs again in 20. Yeah. I, you know, and, uh, you know, I give the Vikings started this game desperate to establish the run. I think their first like five or six plays were runs. Like they're really trying to get Madison going. I could see how, you know, this has got to be a season for O'Connell where as a play caller, if you understand that you have the time and the patience from, your organization, you have to diversify yourself. You have to diversify that offense. You have to build something that's more sustainable. I mean, having Kirk Cousins or anybody just, you know, kind of standing back there and corking it like they're at Texas Tech isn't going to get it done. It's a survival mechanism for them right now, but they need to round themselves out as a football team. I thought they did a nice job, at least early on, attempting to do that, and I I don't blame them. They're not nearly as talented as the Chargers, and the Chargers aren't playing as well as the record suggests, but I think in the end, this was one of those games that, you know, LA needed to have way more than Minnesota yeah. needed to have. And I mean, look, like I just added it up. They they've lost their three games by fifteen points. Right. Or no, less than that. Bad math. They're lost, they've lost their three games by thirteen You're points. You're trying to do podcast math. That's tough. I would never yeah. do that. I just agree with yeah. people whenever they say anything about numbers. So I mean you lose three games by thirteen points, like they're they're that's a good sign for where O'Connell's group is too. Like that they're still locked in and that you know you're not like seeing anything change versus where it was last year. It's just like a tougher road they have to hoe. Yeah. Um, elsewhere in surprising world, uh, Arizona beats Dallas, which is just hilarious. Uh, I, I, you knew the trap door was coming at some point for the Cowboys, though. I have no other take on this game except for it's it was hilarious, and I I I wrote about this. I think we all owe Jonathan Gannon a certain degree of apology. We ripped that guy to shreds. 
after the uh, Cardinals flight plan documentary trailer was leaked. And, uh, you know, he was asking people to kind of get on the bus or to not get on the bus or to take an Uber to work or whatever it was. Was that it? You know, whatever that was. (laughs) And I, I still maintain that was that was framed and cut in a way that was so mean to Gannon. Almost that I thought that someone was trying it's to like get back at him for something. Like him. Yeah. I mean, that's how yeah. you cut it like Michael Scott talking in the office. That was exactly how that thing was cut. We're supposed to, as a viewer, think that that guy is a buffoon when you cut it that way. And so yeah. I thought I, I thought someone was just trying to take him out. But I, I, I drew the comparison in the column to, hey, we all said the same thing about Nick Sirianni. Everything is fine with him. Yeah. We made fun of him after a couple of press conferences. And uh, this is a Sirianni assistant, like, and, and he's built his staff similar to yep. the way Sirianni built his staff with young guys, you know, Nick Rawls and 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 Drew Petzing are his coordinators, and both those guys, I believe, are well. Rawls is really young. I think Rawls is like twenty eight, twenty nine. He's the youngest coordinator in the NFL by quite by a pretty large degree, right? Right, and Petzing's like thirty five, thirty six. So, yeah. um, I mean, I I think like. The one thing you can't say is that that team is waving a white flag. They certainly aren't. I mean, they led in the fourth quarter against the Commanders. They led in the fourth quarter against the Giants. The roster is not very good. I think people there are pretty. I think people there, if you're you know talk to them privately, they're they, they'd be open about that. But I mean, effort has not been the issue. Getting players to play hasn't been the issue. Like, and it looks to me like schematically, it's like a sound team. You know, which is a good sign for a first year coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, they're getting. Josh Dobbs is playing really well. Um, yeah. He's playing his way into He's like, a great story too, man. An awesome story. Yeah. Like just waiting your turn and did a lot of the right things. And, you know, he really like impressed the right coach, you know, and he impressed Petzing and Petzing saw him as an option to start and went and got him. And, and yeah, I mean, he looks great. Like he's done a, like to be that patient and to jump through all those hoops and do everything that he needed to do and, and be in position to take advantage of. It's really, really impressive. Cause I, I can tell you like there are a lot of guys who've been in those sorts of positions over the years where it's like, all right, like I'm the backup quarterback now. So I'm going to do this for the next 10 years and I'll cut out of here and play golf at four o'clock every day, you know? And obviously Josh Dobbs stayed really locked in the whole time, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, we're living that. Uh, we're we're podcasting at four o'clock. We're not even playing golf. You know, that's an enviable lifestyle. <laughs> I would I would take that. Um, yeah, yeah. I I I think that there are they're doing so many neat things, especially on the first few drives where you can script those plays. And teams are having a hard time trying to figure out what what Drew's going to drop. I just I I think they're a lot of fun. I think that much like the Brian Flores Dolphins, it's just. Gannon is not going to ever be bad enough and his staff is not ever going to be bad enough to free fall tank. And so, you know, right. you, that that way you come into that next season with a little bit of momentum, almost like the Bears did before they kind of, you know, everything went haywire with them. You know, they they got the number one pick in the draft, but they did it with some forward momentum. And I think that there's an art to that. And I do think Arizona is probably trending in that direction somehow. And what's going to be fascinating about it, too, is like when Kyler Murray comes back, he's like legitimately going to be playing to keep Caleb Williams and Drake May off the roster. Yes. <laughs> he's going to legitimately I mean? be playing to keep himself out of Minnesota. 
yeah. or he or Washington. I think that's if you're a quarterback and you're going down, if you're coming down the pike of the regular season, if you don't win and make the playoffs and get extended where you are, you're gonna be on the Commanders, which was is not as bad of a thing as it was a year ago. Like that would have been a Hunger oh, Games no, situation. It's, it's, it's um, way better. Than yeah, it was. but it's it's way better than that. But I'm just you know just putting it out there. You should uh, you should watch out. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, save on select steel battery tools. Right now, save $50 on the FSA 57 battery trimmer set. Real steel. Find yours at steeldealers.com. With AK-10 battery and AL-101 charger, offer valid for limited time only while supplies last. See participating dealer for details. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Two more games that interest me, and then we can get into the two-minute drill here, Albert. The Jets and the Patriots, and yeah, I, 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 Robert Sala is as much between a rock and a hard place as anyone impossible I've ever seen in situation, yeah. It's an impossible situation, and I give him so much credit, in, and again, I'm in the Northeast uh, in New Jersey. I had WFAN on uh, while I was driving around today. Everyone's saying, well, how could you have done this? How could you have done this? How could you have not had this person, that person? The only the only what-if scenario that even makes a degree of sense to me is if you thought Zach needed that much help, why didn't you make him the number three? And yeah. why didn't you have, like, Teddy Bridgewater as your backup or something like that? And, okay. Or Josh Dobbs. Or jo- or Josh Dobbs, yeah. <laughs> Dude, they'd be like 11 and they'd be like 11 yeah, and 6 with yeah. Josh Dobbs. Um, but... I give them so much credit because I've trashed so many organizations for just pulling the plug on guys and saying, well, didn't work. We tried. Go screw. Uh, We just kind of ruined your reputation around the league. Sorry about that. Um, And the Jets, I think, really did try to reverse a little bit of their personal history. I mean, this was Sam Darnold, Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, all that stuff. Christian Hackenberg. They tried, and they've really, really tried. But now it's too late, and you don't have any other resources, and there's no one else that's going to come and save the day. I don't think, I don't think Matt Ryan, who maybe if he's still working out, okay, great. But I mean, who else? Carson Wentz. That's that's you don't want that either. That's I not going to help. You know. I, I mean, like that's the problem is like that. It's so. I think like if there's one thing that you misjudged. If you're Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, that you really have to look at here is would Zach could you, are you in position to turn the team back over to Zach Wilson if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt? Exactly, because that like to me is like the real question. Because no one can project that Rodgers is going to get hurt, right? 
like the the real question when you're making the decision, and I know their first choice was to keep Zach Wilson on the roster and keep developing him, and that's fine. But I think one very important question to have asked then back in March or April was, can we hand the team back over to Zach Wilson based on the way last year went? And you can remember last year, the stuff that happened with Garrett Wilson, the stuff that, I mean, it, like that team did not believe in Zach Wilson, right? Like those players did not believe in Zach Wilson. And so I think it's important and was important in March and April to ask that question. And it's not a great sign. I don't know how much of that game you watched yesterday, Connor. Too much. But there was Garrett Wilson, again, like looking incredibly frustrated on the sideline. And you just like, you wonder, can the can the coaches sell Zach Wilson to the team anymore? And what makes it even more complicated is once you go away from Zach Wilson, now there's no turning back, right? So like people are like, well, can you sit him down for a couple of weeks? No. Once you bench him, the next time you bench him, like that's it. Like, because there's no way you're ever going to be able to sell him to the players in that roster anymore if you do that again. So now you're talking about being in like a Tim Boyle or bust situation or whoever else you can bring in. And that comes down to what your options are at the position. And they aren't great right now. Now, maybe in three or four or five weeks, that changes. We get closer to the trade deadline and there are some teams that are willing to wave the white flag. But right now, it's an incredibly difficult situation. If you want to second guess Robert Saul and Joe Douglas for that, I think what you really have to look at again is going back to March and April and saying, did they do enough to to ask that question? Can we actually hand the team over to Zach Wilson in an emergency again? Because the answer might have been no. Yeah, um, but you're right. And I, I, I don't know what else there is for them to do. I think as a team, you know, as a group of people in a in a social situation, you know what it is? It's like, um, it, are, are you as bad at basketball as I am? I'm really bad at basketball. Are you bad at basketball? I used to be okay in pickup. Like when I was, I never like play, I, I, I played freshman year, but I, um, I was okay pick up basketball, but I've I'm probably I, if I went out and tried now, I'd be terrible. Okay, so I you know there was a place um, by us in Scranton called Riverfront, and that's where mm-hmm. sort of your uh, sort of your big Scranton ballers used to hang out. And my friends and I would go there, and you'd wait forever to get in, um, and yeah. you'd finally get to play. And you know, you know, I'm I'm five foot seven, so I'm taking the ball up, and my my job is to distribute. Like nobody yeah. in there is asking me to take any shots, but every now and then, you know, you want to take You're one. Open. So yeah, so you fire one off the backboard, and then from that moment on, everybody looks at you with just a such a consistent disgust, and they just don't want you anywhere near the ball. And I get it, you know, you want to stay on the court, you want to keep playing, and that's what that's the body language that feedback that Zach Wilson is getting throughout this game. Like everyone around him is just like, we can't let this guy near the football. There's no juice. There's no juice. And it sucks because nobody wanted Zach Wilson to work out more than, well, Zach Wilson definitely wanted it more than me. I would say I was probably like third or fourth because I just think it would be, it would be so good. It'd be so healthy for the organization. And I hate giving up on people, but it's, it'd be great. Like, honestly, it'd be great because it'd be a great lesson on patience with quarterbacks. We, we do throw them out really quickly. And I, and I, I think the shame of it is like, so part of this was, and I know a huge part of the decision for Robert and Joe was we really think he needs to hit pause and kind of start over again. And that was the intention here. And the problem is <laughs> when that guy's the second quarterback on your roster, like that plan blows up if the starter gets hurt. 
And that's what happened here. And so I think that that's where your argument that maybe you could make him the third quarterback, maybe you should have made him the third quarterback, actually makes a lot of sense. You know, where it's weird because he's a second overall pick a couple of years ago, but could you just give him a developmental year? Because maybe that's what he really needs. And now he's not getting it. And I mean, this is going to kill his confidence, you know, like, because I don't know. I mean, it's hard to crawl into somebody's head, but watching him the watching him yesterday, he looks like a guy who's afraid to make a mistake. And that's a bad place for a player like him to be. Or even if you're the Jets, like, I don't know, I'm going through the 2023 um, NFL draft. Like, your team is so good. Like, Will McDonald, okay, and then you needed a center in the second round. Um, yep. You needed offensive tackle help in the fourth round. After that, okay, you know, okay, you're taking a running back out of pit in the fifth round. You're taking a linebacker in the sixth round. You're taking a cornerback in the sixth round, um, yeah. a tight end in the seventh round. Could one of those picks have been Clayton Toon? Clayton Toon, the kid from, um, who's a kid from uh, uh, TCU. Um, oh, Max Duggan. Max Duggan, who. Um, I don't know if Stetson Bennett would have been quite right for the mix there, though. Stetson Bennett, probably not. Um, but. One of those guys, you know, Tanner McKee, you know, do you, you know, who, you know, again, the, you know, the Eagles liked him in the sixth round. Could you have done something there? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, yep. cause, cause now you're just so th- there's nothing. And yep. for anyone out there that's saying Carson Wentz, like if you think Zach Wilson is having a hard time handling <laughs> The most, the second most difficult media market in football because Philly is number one. I'm never going to back yeah. down from this. Um, I, you know, I think Carson is probably going to be way up there in terms of you know get, being on the struggle bus in that yeah. regard. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, so we're the the only other one I wanted to talk about in in some degree of detail here was a big win for the Packers, eighteen seventeen, um, yeah. over the Saints. But I think this to me is a celebration of both teams. Obviously, Derek Carr's week to week with the AC joint sprain in the shoulder, but the Saints were way better than I think we thought they were, and I think that uh, we, you know, Green Bay is down seventeen nothing in the third quarter. This was not long before Jordan Love was like. WWE style sacked at like thrown to the ground hurricane style at midfield and they come back and they win this game the Packers were off all day um they they were doing like those ridiculous sort of like throwback passes that weren't working on the wet ground they and they they got a win and I just think I would not count them out by any manner of degree in, in the NFC North not no way that's a resourceful team that I think is going to get better over time. It doesn't need the quarterback to be great. Yep. Like I, I think that is such a huge key to developing a quarterback. And I think that's why Jordan love has a pretty good chance of making it right. Like, because if you look at the roster, I think it's important like that a guy like that, like he ranks like pretty far down, you know, if you're, if you're ranking like the best player, the players in the roster, and it's not like he ranks like pretty far down because he's horrible. He ranks pretty far down because they've got a lot of accomplished guys in that team, you know, both offense and defense. Like, I mean, Christian Watson, I think, is going to be a good player. Romeo Dobbs, David Bakhtiari, Elkton Jenkins, Aaron Jones, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, uh, Devondre Campbell. Now, Like, Eric Stokes coming back, and I think him and Rashawn Gary are going to continue to get better as they get healthier. Jair Alexander, it's like a really, like, I sort of like look at them like the Saints a little bit. Like, people forgot how good that roster is. 
And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a resourceful team. It's a good team. I, I like, I don't think they need, and I think yesterday is a great example of it. They don't need Jordan Love to be a superstar. Like they're, he's going to be able to grow into his role there, you know? And to me, that's an ideal situation, an ideal type of situation to develop a quarterback into. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Let's boogie into the two minute drill here. I'm, let's go. I, so let's try to do it. We're gonna do it right this time. Do you time, think Connor? we're gonna do it? I'm. A, <laughs> uh, I, I wonder if people can like faintly hear my alarm going off. Like, and you know, I'll set the thing for two minutes, and we'll only be one game in. But we're we're passionate yeah. about what we do. It is what it is. We um, can roll. We, we can, can roll. roll. Um. All right. So I have the timer set here. Pittsburgh and Las Vegas. Uh. You know, I. I have the Raiders pretty high up there on my uh, we might make a change bingo card. I just think in a, to have Devontae Adams come out and rip the team as he did today and say that there's no winning culture. It's just uh, I, I think we're heading down a dark path there in Las Vegas. Yeah, and I think the Jimmy concussion thing is going to complicate some things, and it's just – I don't know. Like that decision at the end of the game, it's very easy to question it to kick the field goal instead of going for the touchdown. Um, and then I think on the other side of this, you see a Pittsburgh team that's like eh, – like, is starting to round into shape and starting you're starting to see some of the things that we always see from Mike Tomlin teams, how well-rounded they are. Um, Steelers come out, come, they're, they're two and one right now after getting blown out in the opener. Um, I think typical Mike Tomlin stuff. Yeah. Kenny Pickett hitting some deep shots there. Look good. Carolina and Seattle. It's a game that Seattle's supposed to win. I, I, I know this sounds terrible, but like, I don't want to talk about the Panthers unless it's about Bryce Young. Um, right. I, I think he is the person that brings that team back to where they need to be. I do think that there's one thing we can hit on here though. What's that? That like, if you're rebuilding a little bit, the fire sale isn't always the best idea. Cause I do look at like, you know, we looked at like what the hell they got a good return for CJ uh, for for uh, for DJ CJ DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey right? What's that left Bryce Young? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like so I sort of like I think sometimes we get really I don't know you know we 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 look at teams that are rebuilding and oh yeah just sell off everybody well probably would have helped your young quarterback if you had those guys in there. And I know he didn't play yesterday, but I think it's some, it's something that really kind of jumped out at me watching them yesterday was like how they don't really have anybody you have to worry about offensively, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, and yeah, Bryce young was already running way more than I think he ever planned to this year, the week before when, you know, everything kind of went South, but you know, we'll see Um, Carolina, you'll get back in the regular portion of the podcast once you have your uh, your quarterback healthy mm-hmm. no no disrespect to Andy Dalton Indianapolis and Baltimore really nice win for Shane Steichen um yep. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor says I'm holding out and he says okay Zach Moss is gonna run for 122 <laughs> and Gardner Minshew is gonna go in there and throw for 227 in overtime I think it was an NFL record right four 50 plus yard field goals yeah so you know find a way to win better than we think Connor I think the Colts might be better than we think I you forget too. They made the playoffs in two or four years and were really good over that four-year stretch under Frank Reich. Last year, the wheels came off, but there are a lot of good, proud players in that roster. And I, you know, talking to Sykin last night, I said, "Do you think a lot of people are missing the boat on you guys, and that you guys are better than Pete than, than they all think?" And he just answered, "I do." <laughs> so um, I think he's confident that he's got a better team than people think. And I think it's also speaks well of him that he's able to adjust the run game with Anthony Richardson coming out of it and run the ball the way that they did on, on a really, really good defense. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville, Houston, uh, I'm, I'm like two weeks away from panicking 
about the Jaguars. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, but another nice game for bad CJ six Str- quarters for the Jaguars. Bad six quarters. Another good game for CJ Stroud, who went for 280 in that one. And uh, this, uh, it, you know what? Uh, Bobby Slowick, I think, is putting his name out there. I think as a offensive coordinator of the Texans, he's had a really nice yep. season so far. And uh, CJ Stroud, the difference. I mean, you and I uh, talked about him on the podcast after his first few preseason games to now is night and day. Oh my God. The light it's came night on. and day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, I will say this, like, I'm surprised, like, I, I'm surprised he looks as comfortable this quickly, like, he looks great, and, like, I I think you're seeing, like, the talent, like, the talent he has as a passer, it's like, you know, like, Matt, when you watch Matt Ryan when he was younger, it just looks like the ball, it like, just throws a really pretty ball, mm-hmm. that's, like, sort of the way I see C.J. Stroud, he just, the, the ball, it looks like he was born to throw a football, the way he can just put it wherever he wants to put it, you know? Yeah. Uh, Buffalo, Washington, I mean, 37-3, uh, bills are back, baby. Bills are back. Uh, bills are good. Uh, who knew? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I think that, um, despite me picking them to finish just behind the Patriots, uh, if you're asking yeah. me, am I, am I sweating this out a little bit? Yeah. I'm sweating this out a little bit. Buffalo. Are you going to flip your pick? No, I'm not going to flip the pick. I'm staying with Bill Belichick. However, um, I'm nervous. I'm definitely sweating it out. This team looks good. But um, you thought maybe there was one Titan to overcome in the AFC East, and maybe we have two now. Now we have two. Um, Atlanta, now Detroit. Um, this was sort of your comeback to reality game for the Falcons. Um, this was a nice mm-hmm. win uh, for Detroit. Jared Goff has really nice deep ball touchdown there. Um, uh, Goff is a good quarterback. He's good. Man. He's gonna. He's <laughs> gonna get Daniel Jones money this offseason. Isn't that people cool? People need to. People need to get it through their skulls. Like. The Rams just felt like they – the Rams didn't think he was a bad quarterback. They were just, we need a little extra to put us over the top. And I think a lot of people got this in their head that he just sucks. And the guy's a good freaking quarterback. And he was he got the Rams to the Super Bowl. And, like, he can he can play. And, um, you know, I think he's the perfect quarterback to have for the, the Lions, very much like when Andy Reid had Alex Smith, you know, like where – you can win with that guy, absolutely. Yeah. And this is sort of the water seeking this level game too, right? Like the Falcons may not have been as good as two and oh. The Lions are gonna be better than five hundred. So, you know, I think that this is sort of water seeking its level with this one. All right, Albert. Thanks as always. Um, we're gonna be back next week. Be sure to check out the Thursday show with Matt and Gilberto. And as always, leave us a rating and review. It really does help people find the show. You guys are awesome. We'll see you next week. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman. And Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.